Hello! You are welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel for yet another powerful, sobering, and inspiring word from God. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick Kaluluma from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. We are dealing with a topic entitled The Field and the Treasure. Yeah, you have a title. They are they always come to my office. Pastor, what do we name today's sermon? What do you guys write in your books? Like, what names of sermons do you give? Because I've realized I rarely give you the names. You just write Apostle Fred and the date. <laughs> okay, so today is actually entitled The Field and the Treasure. And we've been looking at the kingdom of heaven we're looking at the kingdom of god and so we decided to pay attention to what heaven really is and i think we described about eight or nine things about heaven right we described that heaven is actually a place we described that heaven is existing right now we described that heaven was and we acknowledge that heaven has a heavenly host and we acknowledge that heaven is quite nice you know it's a beautiful place and we also acknowledge that we are citizens of heaven so now we are still breaking these things down because I really want us as believers to have perfect understanding of what we have really come into. And the reason why I'm going to be taking a bit long on this is because the majority of us have been brought up in a democracy, not in a kingdom. So because of that, you find many of us don't have a very big concept of what a kingdom is unless we study I hope you're getting my point because many of us have been brought up in a democracy that's why some of you may wonder um, have you noticed that when the Spirit of God came even some of the methods that the Apostles were using in the Bible changed let me give an example before they received the Spirit of God in Acts 2 how did they choose the Apostle to replace Judas they casted lots. After they received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, how did they choose the deacons they appointed? These, you, you see that aspect of kingdomship? It's, it's a part that many people have actually grasped. We are not in a democracy. We're in a kingdom. Let me give you an example. Are you aware that in the Bible... Another word for your pastor is your ruler. Now let me show it to you. Hebrews 13. <laughs> Give me verse 7. I just want us to have a more kingdom mindset. So it says, remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith follow. Considering the outcome of their conduct. The day you understand this, you'll never struggle with correction. Then look at verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, 
for that would be unprofitable for you. I noticed from the scripture Dikonsui shared that Paul was praying for the church with joy. Interestingly, in this portion of scripture, we're being shown that actually, because there are people who say, it doesn't matter, church doesn't matter, this and this. No, 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 no. Those who've been given charge over you will actually give an account for you. So in short, in God's reward system, there are people's views who will be considered. Like, how has it been pastoring this one? Now, you may wonder how then can everyone be accounted for. I can, I can explain that to you very quickly. Usually, you, you'll find God's system is that uh, leaders must reproduce after themselves and must, have, must ensure that everyone gets to experience the same quality of leadership from the top going down. You see that system introduced with Moses when he had to appoint leaders. And then they could judge on his behalf unless matters became too big. Are you following? And then, on the other hand, if the pastor doesn't create a system that can be accountable for everyone, then the pastor is one who will be found wanting. That's why we're always brainstorming and seeing how best we can create a system in which everyone can experience the pastoral touch, even if we may not know everyone personally. So on my end, you find the role is, can you create a system in which everyone will be accountable? So you find this year we introduce the cell groups, then we introduce this, we introduce this, we introduce that. And then the role of everybody else is to follow it through and be accountable through those platforms. The day you understand this, there are certain childish things that at times we do that will stop. For example, your department head posts in your group. You see the message and you ignore it. You think those things won't matter. Is that how lightly we take the kingdom? Or maybe we've not understood kingdom. Anyways, maybe after this sermon, we'll understand kingdom. I'm telling you because, do you know that the moment you've done that with your department head, you've done that to me. And you know the moment you've done that to me, you've also done it to the Lord. It's as if the Lord Jesus himself posted in your department and you ignored him. How do we know? The story of the rich man and Lazarus. Don't you remember when, the, when they were in hell and... Um, the rich man said, and the rich man spoke and said, you know, send Lazarus back or send me back. And then the, the man said, they've got Moses and the prophets. If they don't listen to them, what makes you think they'll listen when somebody rises from the dead? Praise God. Once you begin understanding these things, I think you'll find it easier to work in the kingdom. So there's, let's continue. <laughs> Praise God. And then for those who've been entrusted with this responsibility to watch over others, it's something you must take with the fear of the Lord. In any capacity, whether you're watching over two, you're watching over three, those are people that are so precious to God. And Jesus is so defensive about people. Do you know what he says? He says, anyone who leads any of my little ones astray, it would be better for them to have a milestone tied around their neck and then they are cast into the sea. And the punishment that I'll give them. Okay, let's go to the scriptures. 
<laughs> the week after this, uh, the DMNT is entitled Cursed by the Lord. Don't worry, it's not so scary. <laughs> it's just sobering. You understand why Jesus cursed certain cities? It's in the Bible. Praise God. So, I would like us to have an understanding of the word kingdom. We'll go into details later, but just a brief understanding of it as we go into the topic, the field and the treasure. Okay, so a kingdom is simply a king's domain. And you observe that human beings, we create our own little kingdoms everywhere, right? I was checking through, I was just connecting my, my tablet to the internet, and I found my, my, my tablet connected to someone's network in here. And the network had a very interesting name. The network name is Drip is Forever. So whoever is using, I, I don't know who it is. It's Dylan. Okay, so whoever is using, please secure your network further if you're, Wi-Fi, if your Wi-Fi network is entitled Drip is Forever. <laughs> but you'll find that that Wi-Fi network is his own little kingdom. You can name it whatever he wants, put whatever password he wants. It's his domain. A kingdom is simply a king's domain. It's, it's everywhere that the king has authority. And the moment you understand that, you'll realize that a kingdom can be bigger than the place where it originated because it's about, and that's why you, you observe that kingdoms are something that are not strange, let's say in African welfare, because in case you didn't know, what would happen is that one tribe would overpower another tribe, but then overpower another tribe, and then would form a huge kingdom. And then... Um, if they overpower them, maybe they'll begin to protect them, but you have to be bringing, they would have to take their tithes to the king of the other kingdom. People have a domain. Others have created their domain in boarding schools. Eh? You find there's that grade 12 and the like, who you have to give your tithe to so that he can rebuke the devourer for your sake. I hear that's how you survive in boarding. Like every portion your parents bring you, you just separate 10%. <laughs> And give it to your grade 12. Is that true? <laughs> Unless you're a tough guy. But anyways, what am I trying to say? A kingdom is simply anywhere where a king has authority. You have to understand that. You have to understand that. Although a scary part about it is that, do you know that even Satan has a kingdom? Jesus said, if Satan casts out Satan, how will his kingdom stand? That means anywhere where Satan has gotten territory, that's his kingdom. You will see that as we go a bit later. So a kingdom is a king's domain. It's a place where a king has territory. And the glory of a king is territory. I want you to understand that. The glory of a king is territory. So Proverbs chapter 14 
and verse 28. So the glory of a king is territory. Okay, let's read it. In the multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. So you observe that territory for a king is actually beyond physical landscape. Territory for a king is where people are. You don't really hear much wars about Antarctica, do you? But it's such a big piece of land. And there are different countries that have claimed territories on it. And interestingly, all of them have signed a treaty that none of them can personally claim it. Although the US and Russia have got it signed somewhere that they've got, that if need be, they can actually claim a certain part of the territory. Don't mind me, I watch a lot of strange things. But what I'm trying to say is, you observe that people will go for pieces of land where there are people and also where there is treasure. That's what they fight for. Although if there is treasure, there will be people. Treasure will attract people. Praise God. That's how come when gold was discovered in South Africa, and it's believed some of that, it's believed some of the minerals came because of a, a meteor, right? That landed in South Africa. They believe that's how some of the, the minerals came, especially platinum. A meteor is a, is a rock from space. So it's believed one of the, one of the biggest crits um, is found in South Africa. A crit is like the, the aftermath of the impact of the meteor hitting the earth. Okay, let's just go to the scriptures. So <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you notice that when they discovered gold, what did they do? There was a gold rush. And they rushed to South Africa. Why? Because it was a treasure. So what was the aim now? If we can get the people, we have the treasure as well. So in the multitude of people is a king's honor. I'll tell you something. A king is always as strong as how many people he has. So I'll give you an example of Partnership Sunday today. If five people participate, there's only so much we can do. If four or five hundred people participate, you observe that the partnership will have more honor. Why? In the multitude of people is a king's honor. And that's why there are certain people who had to sign off their kingdoms because they didn't have a big enough army. And you'll notice that a king was as strong as how many people they could recruit in their army. Praise God. So the kingdom is about territory. And for our king, his biggest territory is not land. His biggest territory is man. And that's why Satan is not after the earth. Satan is after man. The battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness is really a battle for man. People say this world is evil. What makes this world evil is man. And what makes this world good is man. There are so many issues with the world that can be traced to decisions made by men. I don't know if you're getting my point. And so, 
having that understanding will make you take evangelism very seriously because evangelism is actually war. It's us taking over another territory. And that's why the Bible says if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then you'll know that the kingdom has come. Why? Because when the kingdom comes, the kingdom overthrows any other kingdom that's ruling. That's why if you came to this place and you've been in darkness, you'll know it. And if that darkness has manifested in any corrupt lifestyle, we'll cast that thing out. Praise God. And you experience the kingdom of light. So I, I hope we're following. Now, whenever Jesus would talk about the kingdom of heaven, he would speak about either how the kingdom of heaven started, or he would speak about how the kingdom of heaven spread, or he would speak about the coming of the end of the age. So what I want us to understand concerning the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is because sometimes they're used interchangeably, and then sometimes they're used in context. But what I want you to know is this. Heaven is a specific place. Are you following? Heaven is a specific place. And the moment the kingdom of heaven began to expand, you'll find it can now be referred to as the kingdom of God because it's no longer limited to a vicinity called heaven. Is somebody following? So in short, right now as it stands, heaven is existing somewhere, right? But are you aware that the kingdom of God is right here? Why? Because Mwape surrendered her territory to the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you're getting my point. So because Mwape, Benedict, Fred, Mikiwe all surrendered their territory to the Lord Jesus, then as it stands, the kingdom of God is here. That's why we can enter any building and it becomes the Lord's house. Because the kingdom of God has expanded. How has it expanded? Through us. So you observe that this kingdom, which is very spiritual and is in the Holy Spirit, because, okay, let's not get to that. But this kingdom, you observe that it spreads through words. That's how this kingdom spreads. It's through words. Praise God. Praise God. So just taking us back a bit, just, just for us to have understanding, then we'll go to the main text. So in Genesis, God decides to extend the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so he creates man, creates Adam. He breathes life into him. And he gives him a mandate to subdue. He gives him a mandate to have dominion. Adam is deceived by words that were spoken to his wife, uh, who by then was named woman. It was only called Eve afterwards, right? And so Adam is deceived by words which were spoken to his wife, woman. And at this point, I want you to observe something when you read Genesis chapter 3. When God came, God still asked Adam. He didn't ask woman. He asked Adam. Because Adam was the one left in charge of the earth. And he says, Adam, at Banji. <laughs> Where are you? Okay, that's just the way I imagine it because they were not speaking English. So anyways, <laughs> so in my head, I imagine they used to switch languages. 
<laughs> okay. Anyways, um, I don't know. What do I think they spoke? I don't know, to be honest. It's not written anywhere. And so, uh, God speaks to Adam and says, what's going on? And Adam says, no, look, um, I heard you coming. So, can you imagine what communion Adam and God had, eh? Like, God could manifest in such a way that Adam could know, oh, right now God is taking a walk. Like, he's around. And Adam hid. And then God says, who told you? And he says, I hid because I was naked. So you could see that there was something that Adam had that covered him, that wasn't covering him anymore. So he says, who told you you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you? You should not eat. Adam pointed at the wife. Says, I know it's it's the woman that you gave me to be with me. She gave me of of the tree, and they ate. So God turns to the new person in charge and says, "What what is this that you have done?" And the woman decided, "It's that guy. It's a serpent." And if you've read the Book of Revelations, when the Bible speaks of Satan, it says that old serpent okay so meaning we clearly know i don't know whatever deal satan made with a snake or whether he changes form into a snake or anything but all we know is that that was satan and he says the, the serpent deceived me and you notice that satan gladly took the blame because he knew that through the words authority was being transferred how do we know authority was then transferred to satan when you read luke Let's look at the temptation of Jesus. The book of Luke. Should be chapter 3. Eh? Is somebody following me? I'm building all this up just to make one point. You know that? You know the Apostle Frederick style. So Luke should be chapter 4. And I want us to see when the devil tempted him. And by the way, this issue of using this scripture to tell yourself that uh, you're in a wilderness season and the like, I think it should come to an end. Praise God. You, your life is from glory to glory. <laughs> Jesus went through the biggest of temptations to overcome it for our sake, okay? There's nothing like God withdrawing his presence from you for some time, thought you experienced the wilderness. I, I don't know where people get that stuff from. It's not scriptural. After what Jesus went through, I can't have another dry day in my life. What about you? Yeah. And... Look at verse 5. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. If we're doing a prophetic class, I'll tell you this is why we analyze every vision. Because Jesus saw a vision. And it came from, the, it came from Satan. So we're not going to believe it just because you say it's a vision. We'll analyze it. We'll judge it. Of course, we won't judge it with suspicion. But we will increase our element of discernment. Because many people have been deceived simply because somebody said they had a supernatural experience. So then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Notice the word there again? 
kingdoms in a moment of time. Uh-huh. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whoever I wish. Who delivered it to him? That's the question. It wasn't God. So he says, this has been delivered to me. By the way, understanding this portion of scripture, for me, it helped me understand the book of Job. It made me understand why Job had the right, why, why Satan had the right to ask of Job. He didn't have that right anymore. He doesn't have it. So, Satan at this point has rulership over the kingdoms of the world and can turn them in whichever way he wishes. And so people start finding ways to appease Satan. At the same time, man has a longing for God and man starts finding ways to reach God. Man starts building their own towers trying to reach heaven. And we call that religion. But then, what man was trying to build a tower to get to came to them. And Jesus says, look, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is very near. It's near. And Satan decides to help God with his plan by influencing the people to crucify the Lord Jesus, not knowing that by doing that, he was actually assisting. Why do we say so? Because God had already set certain patterns, and one of them was that for sins to be remitted, there had to be shedding of blood. Remission means removing. Like, this is beyond atonement, because atonement has to do with covering. But remission has to do with removing. Like, where the sin will be blotted out, like it doesn't exist anymore. Like, the phone being flashed, and all the information goes. That's the way it is. Where there is no trace of that information anywhere. That's how heaven's hard drives are right now. And so, Jesus pays the ultimate price. And then, you understand. Maybe another day we'll go deeper into it. You understand why he, he had to be the son of man. It's because the perfect man, Adam, was given authority. So, Jesus had to become Adam. He had to be the second Adam. And so, in his Adamic right, he claims back. He claims back. And now he could come and say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. But then now, the next thing that he had to do is that he had to re-extend the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And he shows us a perfect example of this. And I want you to see this. It's the field and the treasure. Matthew chapter number 13 verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has 
and buys that field. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody said treasure in a field. Say it again, treasure in a field. You know, the way God looks at things is different from the way man looks at things. Now that field is you. What does the Bible say about us? But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Observe that. We have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. I want you to understand that what some of you may, looked, may have looked at as a wretch, what someone may, someone may have looked at themselves and seen themselves as a wretch, someone may have looked at themselves and seen themselves as a mess, seen themselves as uh, all sorts of things that you can talk about. God was looking and seeing treasure. That treasure was hidden in a field. So that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man who hid. It's like a, the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field, which man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Why is he buying the field? For the sake of the treasure. Praise the Lord. Say, I'm God's field. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't that the scripture that was being quoted even by Deacon Suilanji? Wasn't that the scripture in Philippians? Was it in Philippians? No, it was in Corinthians, right? Saints, we're not paying attention during the exhortation. Was that 1 Corinthians 3? If I'm not mistaken. I was paying a lot of attention. Let me just check. Sorry? Yeah, it was 3 verse 9. No, but there was a verse. Yeah, it was 3 verse 9. Look at it. For you are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Somebody said treasure in a field. So I've got a question for you. If we sat down with God today and asked him what his view of you is, what do you think it is? Do we ever think about that sometimes? Now, you may be wondering, um, well, Apostle, maybe his view of you could be slightly better. I mean, you're preaching. You don't know where I've been. You can tell how much somebody values something by the price that they are willing to pay for that thing. So you can tell how much somebody values that. Because remember, the markets work by issues of demand and supply. So people may be com complaining, hey, iPhone Pro Max is very expensive. People buy. They put it that price because they know m many people will still buy it at that price. Why? Because that's the value that they've placed on that machine. And somebody else can make a, a machine just as good with a different label, but people have not placed the same amount of value it. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, what's your price? 
I was talking to somebody in the office and I was saying, eh, yeah, maybe you've struggled a bit with self-esteem. Try building self-esteem. It will defeat all others. Where it becomes more about what Christ has done and who Christ says you are. Than even about yourself, your achievements, your lack of achievements and all those things. Praise God. Praise God. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. 46. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And these verses come one after the other. In verse 44, we're told about the treasure in the field. Verse 45, we're told the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking godly pearls. Interesting thing about a merchant is that, do you know that by doing this, by selling all that he had to buy one pearl, he was killing his business. That's it. His merchant business was done. Praise God. So I want us to understand that. Kill the lights. In 1991, the photo you see there to the left, yeah, to your left. In 1991, that was Dubai. 2017, that's the same piece of land that is still Dubai. It means there has to be Somebody saw a treasure, and I'll never forget flying over Dubai. Okay, we landed in Dubai. And when we're above it, I looked down, I'm like, what? This is the Dubai they talk about. It just looked like a desert from on top. But then you come down and see how, what they've done, what they've brought out of it. Amazing. So you'll find that before salvation, imagine the person to the left is you. And then before salvation, the whole heaven is just sitting thinking, we need to buy that land. We need to buy that field. And, yeah, we need to buy that field. And you know what? We'll put our money where our mouth is. What's the greatest treasure we can give? Fine. I'll become flesh. All my blood will be drained for them. I'll suffer the greatest temptations they can ever have. And I will be crucified, mocked at the hands of men. Why? Because while everyone was seeing 1991, God is looking on the other side and saying, treasure, treasure. This is a treasure. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. And so what did, what did he do? He bought the whole field. In short, he bought it with the weeds. He bought it with... If there was anything on it that was wrong, he bought it with everything. 
That's what he did. He bought it with everything. He'll work out the clearing of the weeds. He'll work out the, the removing of the monkeys if the monkeys inside. He'll work out all those things. He's interested in the treasure. So he buys the whole field. So he bought the field with the insecurities that field had. Bought the field with the addictions that field had. Bought the field with, with, with that debt that, that field was owing. Bought the field with... <laughs> Is somebody getting me? Bought the field with those suicidal thoughts the field has been having. Bought the field with that habit the field has been failing to stop because there's something that he sees in that field. Something that he sees in that field. If human beings can see a desert and turn it into that, how much more God? And you know something? If you if you would have talked if you had, if you would have spoken to the visionary of Dubai, he was already because visionaries always live in the future backwards. They don't live backwards to the future, and God sets the end from the beginning, right? So visionaries always live in the future backwards. They actually look back, like right now this can be 2021, and here I am in, and you find I'm looking back on 2025, like. So 2025, we achieved that. That's the way visionaries think. And so God was not seeing a dirty field. He was seeing the treasure. No wonder the Bible says you were bought at a price. And you know the price you were bought at? Jesus himself. The day you understand this, you never again allow yourself to be appraised You'll never allow yourself to be appraised by human standards. John 3:16. Let's start from verse 1. This is my last verse. Can we build up from verse 1 for once? Do you want to like see how it actually built up to verse 16? Okay, then let's read together quickly. If you need the lights back on, you can. If not, it's okay. Share media advice. So there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Uh-huh. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Uh-huh. I remember I went to a room in Unza and the person was going to a church where they told them that miracles don't happen anymore. They seized, what, what do they call that? The Cizeta, whatever. There's some funny doctrine. Something like the cessation of the charismata, something like that. The miracles ceased, the gifts of the spirit ended with the disciples. I'm like, why? Well, hey. <laughs> I said, the Goko, whichever pastor will tell you that a man of man, not a man of God. Because Nicodemus goes to Jesus and says, No one can do these things unless God is with him. So there are signs when God is with you. And even these guys recognize that it was miracles. And so Jesus answered and said to him, notice how Jesus changed the topic and began talking about the kingdom. He says, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Next verse. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Uh-huh. Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and 
the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You notice that in the earthly realm, it's water and blood. But in the spiritual realm, it's water and spirit. Let's go on. That which is born of the flesh, just hold on, is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In short, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. So you are wondering why people are going about doing fleshly things because they are born by flesh. So flesh gives birth to flesh. And there's not much expectation you can have of flesh. But then he, he, so he explains that this second birth, it's spiritual. And it's your spirit being given birth to by the spirit. Let's go on. Do not be marveled when I say you must be born again. Let's just be quick now. And he begins to explain about those born of the spirit. Let's continue. And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Uh-huh. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. Uh-huh. We're building. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So already you can see this kingdom is of heaven. Next verse. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. It's building. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up. And if you remember, the serpent was lifted up because the people had done wrong things. But if anyone looked at the serpent, they wouldn't die. In the same way, Jesus had to be lifted up. And the serpent was always an example of an animal that was cursed. In the same way, Jesus had to become a curse. Haven't you read that in Galatians? It says, cursed is the man who hung on the tree. Uh -huh, let's go on. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He built all that to explain how the kingdom then expands on earth and how it happened. It's verse 16. For God so loved the world. Give me the Amplified. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him shall not perish but come to destruction shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. And verse 17 is actually one of my favorites. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, that is to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on, but that the world might find salvation and made safe and sound through him. I've said all this so that today you can walk out of this place knowing that you are that field. And the treasure is in you. And the Lord Jesus could not stand the thought of eternity without you. And so God dearly prized you and decided to send his son. That whosoever believes. And how will they believe? They'll believe the words. They'll believe the words. And when they believe these words, these words are potent. They have life. The spirit man is regenerated. They are born. And they become a new creation. 
their value, which is manifest, is the value that God has placed on them. And that value is Jesus. That's what our worth is. That's what our worth is. And it's through this that we can now boldly say we are citizens of the kingdom with the very same rights. And as we continue with this, uh, either next week or the other week, because next week the sermon might change due to the period of time. So as we continue with this, we'll now look at what it means to really have the kingdom of God within you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Imagine kings of the earth would conquer lands by and, and make a mockery of the people that they conquer. But this king of heaven decided to give himself as a sacrifice. What kind of king does that for his servants? And then he makes them his friends. Praise the Lord. Somebody say the treasure in the field. Say one more time, the treasure in the field. If you've been in foundation class, you will know that when you're born again, you become not just righteous, but the righteousness of God. The very righteousness that God has. seated with someone in the office and I'll say now that you're born again look between you and I there's no difference there's no one more righteous than the other what I said actually even if we brought the Lord Jesus and sat the three of us there's no one more righteous than the other because it's the righteousness that God gave it's the value that God has placed upon us and by the time we're done with this series I can only imagine what will happen how glorious that field will look when we start unearthing its beauty and actually beautifying it, I can only imagine how glorious that field will look. It doesn't have to remain desolate. It doesn't have to remain in a position where the treasure is but a rumor. service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.